Formula One has never been short of drama or scandal. So whilst we wait for another race weekend, I'm going to fill you guys in on a scandal that rocked the world of F1. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello everyone and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syrah and today, well, it's not a race weekend, so I thought we would take a short view into the past and talk about one of the biggest controversies that ever hit Formula One. Yep, I'm talking about Spygate. Formula One and espionage are probably two words that you wouldn't really relate to each other, but in 2007 they came together to give us a scandal of epic proportions, and I'm here to tell you all about it. Some of the research links for this episode can be found on my website, thestewardsoffice.com, so if you're interested and looking for more information, please head over there. But for now, let's get into it. In the late 1990s, Ferrari began a period of domination within F1. Michael Schumacher had joined the team along with some staff from his former team, Benetton, and one of those men was a guy called Nigel Stepney. Stepney was the chief mechanic and later on became the race and test technical manager at the Scuderia, and life was pretty good at Ferrari for a couple of years. They had a huge run of success and the team at Maranello were pretty happy. Nearly 10 years after joining the team though, in October 2006, Ferrari announced that Ross Braun was going to be leaving the team, which led to some massive restructuring of the staff members, and Stepney wasn't too happy about this. In February 2007, he'd said that he wasn't too happy with the situation within the team. He wanted to make some steps forward in his career, and that did not seem to be happening at Ferrari right now. Later on that month, Ferrari announced that Stephanie was going to be promoted as the head of team performance development, which would mean that he wouldn't have to be at the track anymore. And this came after Stephanie had said that he was looking to take a sabbatical from the team. This could have also been a move from Ferrari to get Stephanie away from race weekends since he'd been pretty vocal about his unhappiness. Fast forward a few months to June. It's the week of the United States Grand Prix, and the news breaks that Ferrari have filed a complaint against Stepney, and the Modena district attorney had started a criminal investigation into their employee. Bear in mind, this only came a few months after two former Ferrari employees had been found guilty of handing over information to Toyota, so Ferrari were not having the best time with their employees. The following month, Ferrari released a statement saying that they had completed their own internal formal investigation, and they decided to dismiss Stepney as a result of it. But there was still a lot of hush-hush going on at this point. All the team were officially saying was that the matter had related to some irregularities that they had found before the Monaco Grand Prix. 
What we had eventually found out, though, was that there was some strange powder that had been found in both Kimi Raikkonen's and Felipe Massa's cars, the two Ferrari drivers at the time, and this was only six days before the Monaco Grand Prix. Ferrari were essentially accusing Stephanie of sabotage since a lot of people thought that he was disappointed to not have been promoted to technical director after Braun had left. And like I said, it wasn't like this guy was being quiet about his unhappiness. Ferrari weren't quite done yet though. The same day that they had made that announcement, they had also announced that they were taking action against a guy called Mike Coughlin, a McLaren engineer, and McLaren then decided to suspend him as a result. In their official press release, Ferrari said that it had presented its case against Stephanie and Coughlin concerning the theft of technical information. Ferrari had applied for a search warrant with the British police to search Coughlin's house, and it had been granted. Coughlin was alleged to be in possession of 780 pages of Ferrari documentation. Stepney would have given Coughlin these documents, and Coughlin wanted a copy of them. So, Coughlin handed over those 780 pages to his wife, and his wife then went to a photocopying shop with the papers. The shop had given the copies of the documents over to her, but they had realised that something wasn't quite right. So, a British photocopying shop rang Ferrari in Marinello to give them a tip about the documents. The search warrant had resulted in finding those 780 pages from the headquarters of Ferrari. And after this news had come out, we also heard that Ferrari had decided to dismiss Stepney earlier that same day. On July 10th, this case then went to the British High Court, but after it was open, it was pretty quickly adjourned to the next day. This was to give Coughlin the chance to submit an affidavit, but that didn't stop details of the case from being released, including his own wife's involvement. In the end, Coughlin decided that he wasn't going to submit in an affidavit to the court. He was worried that it would have been used against him in a court case that was also happening in Italy on the same subject. Later that same day, however, Ferrari had managed to reach an agreement with Coughlin and his wife. The high court case would be dropped as long as the couple gave Ferrari their full cooperation and full disclosure of everything that they knew, and they both agreed to those terms. While all this was going on, McLaren had carried out their own internal investigation into the matter. McLaren wanted to make sure that everyone knew that no Ferrari intellectual property had been incorporated into their car or passed on to any other member of the team. To clear their name, they had even invited the FIA to do their own inspection and had given them the full set of drawings and development documents for their car along with any updates that they had been planning throughout the season. They were really trying to go through the route of full transparency with the FIA here. Regardless of all of that though, the FIA still decided to summon McLaren to a motorsport council meeting over a breach in Article 151C of the International Sporting Code, which refers to any fraudulent activity. 
It specifically says any fraudulent conduct or any act prejudicial to the interests of any competition or to the interests of motorsport generally. On July 16th though, McLaren still came out to say that no Ferrari materials or data are or ever have been in possession of any McLaren employee other than the individual sued by Ferrari. They also said that no team member had known that Coughlin was holding any of the documents in his home until Ferrari had decided to pursue action against him. So at this point, McLaren was still trying to convince everyone that they had no clue. Coughlin had done this all by himself, it was all on his own accord, and nobody in McLaren had any clue about it. It just seems a little far-fetched, especially when McLaren are deciding to do their own internal investigation on themselves that nobody else would know about these documents. The FIA weren't going to take McLaren's statement as gospel, however, and McLaren faced a hearing on July 26th. And what the FIA had found was that McLaren had been in possession of confidential information that belonged to Ferrari so they were in breach of the International Sporting Code, but the FIA didn't have any evidence to say that the team had used any of that information, so McLaren escaped punishment. The FIA did say, though, that they had the right to reconvene on the matter if any other information came to light that said otherwise. Now, understandably, Ferrari were less than impressed with the outcome of this hearing, but McLaren thought that the FIA had given a fair and balanced decision and they were happy with what had happened. And I mean, why wouldn't you be? You were found in breach of a sporting code, but you weren't even getting a slap on the wrist. There was no evidence whatsoever. You had no penalties being given to your team. Life's pretty good. But it didn't quite stop there though, and the matter then went to the FIA Court of Appeals, with a hearing scheduled for September 13th. August rolled around, and the F1 season was in full swing. Ron Dennis, who was the team principal of McLaren at the time, had penned an open letter to the president of the Italian Motorsport Authority. He accused Ferrari of lying about the events that had taken place. He even went as far as to say that the car that Ferrari had used to win the Australian Grand Prix that same year was illegal. Apparently, Stepney had come and told McLaren that there was an illegal floor device that the Ferraris were using, and he had given them that information as a whistleblower. McLaren had said that Ferrari were trying to use this whistleblowing against Stepney, but they still maintained that they had no clue that Coughlin had been in possession of the Ferrari documents. That same month, at the Hungarian Grand Prix race weekend, McLaren had another mess on their hands. Lewis Hamilton had decided to disobey their team orders, which had disadvantaged his teammate at the time, Fernando Alonso. So, in retaliation, Fernando decided to hold up Lewis in the pit lane during qualifying, and that meant that Lewis wasn't able to go back out and set another lap time. The cameras caught Ron Dennis's reaction as he threw his headphones on the floor, and that wasn't the last time we've seen a TP do that. 
he ended up having what looked like a pretty serious conversation with Alonso's trainer after the session was done. Yeah, he really wasn't too happy with what was going on with his drivers. But nor was Fernando Alonso. He had joined McLaren that year with a rookie Lewis Hamilton and had fully expected to be given the number one driver status, having just won two back-to-back championships with his previous team. But that didn't seem to be the way that things were playing out. Lewis had come into his rookie season with much more competitiveness than anyone had expected from a driver during their first year, and it did not bode well with Fernando that he wasn't being given the preferential treatment, and it led to a bit of a fractured relationship between him and Dennis. The next day, on the morning of the Hungarian Grand Prix, Fernando went to Dennis's motorhome, Whilst he was there, he apparently had threatened his team principal, saying that he would hand in the email exchanges that had happened with Coughlin and Pedro Della Rosa, who was the McLaren reserve driver at the time. But things stayed quiet for a little bit after that. Exactly a month after the Hungarian Grand Prix, though, on September 5th, the FIA said that it had new evidence, so it was going to be reopening the investigation on September 13th. This was going to replace the initial appeal that had been lodged. Now, surprise, surprise, the new evidence that had come to light were the driver's emails that were sent to Eccleston, the F1 commercial rights holder at the time. He had then passed these on to the FIA. The FIA had asked for the three McLaren drivers, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso and Pedro de la Rosa, to provide evidence to help them in their investigation. In exchange, none of them would face personal proceedings under the Sporting Code or the F1 regulations, but if they were found to be withholding any information that could be relevant to the case, they could be facing serious consequences. McLaren, with all this going on, didn't want to be the only sinking ship here though. So, on September 11th, they approached the FIA with some questions of their own. And these were lodged against the Reynolds F1 team. McLaren made the argument that if they were guilty of anything, then surely there had to be other teams that were guilty too. The 13th of September rolled around and along with it came the McLaren hearing date. The FIA decided to give a penalty to McLaren for illicitly collecting and holding information from Ferrari to confer a dishonest and fraudulent advantage. Their penalty consisted of the following. The exclusion from and withdrawal of all points awarded to McLaren in all rounds of the 2007 Constructors' Championship. A record fine of $100 million, which is still thought to be the largest sporting fine in history. And finally, the team would have to submit in their 2008 chassis to the FIA for scrutiny. Both Lewis's and Fernando's points weren't affected in the Drivers' Championship since they had cooperated with the FIA investigation and were given immunity, but whenever either McLaren driver won a race for the rest of the season, no representative from McLaren was allowed to be on the podium. The day after the hearing, Ron Dennis had come out to say that he'd been the one actually to alert the FIA to there being more evidence on the case. But Max Mosley wasn't having any of this. He had said that Dennis had actually come to him to say that Fernando had decided to send the emails. 
but Dennis had assured him that there was nothing that was incriminating in any of those emails. With that matter now being settled with the FIA, they then decided to pay some attention to the accusations that McLaren had made against Reynolds, and on November 8th they had summoned the team to the World Motorsport Council as well, with charges for being in possession of confidential information in relation to the 2006 and 2007 McLaren F1 cars. According to a statement that was released by the FIA, the Renault team had information about the layout and the dimensions of the McLaren cars, the fueling system, the oil cooling system, amongst a whole host of other things. A hearing date was then set for December 6th, and in the end, the team were found in breach of Article 151C, and much like McLaren initially, they had managed to avoid any penalty. After this, McLaren then decided to do a press release in the middle of December. Essentially, the press release was of a letter that Martin Whitmarsh had sent to the FIA, and he was the COO of the McLaren team at the time. He'd said that the team had accepted that there were in fact a number of McLaren employees that had access to confidential information from Ferrari, and apologised that it had taken until the FIA investigation for this to come to their attention. So McLaren had really changed their tune from when this had all initially come out, saying that nobody but Coughlin knew, to finally admitting that yeah, there were multiple McLaren employees that knew about the information and had seen that information. This wasn't entirely the end of Spygate though, because whilst the team in McLaren had suffered their penalties, there was still a case of the individuals who had held that information in the first place. In February 2009, the Italian courts had decided to drop the legal proceedings against the McLaren employees of Mike Coughlin, Paddy Lowe, Jonathan Neal and Rob Taylor. They were, however, ordered to pay a fine, with Coughlin having to pay €180,000 and the other three having to pay €150,000 each. We might not ever fully understand why Nigel Stepney had really started this chain of events. Was Ferrari taking that much of a toll at him? Was he so unhappy that he felt the need to start leaking their secrets to their rival team? McLaren and Ferrari have had a rivalry Taylor's oldest time in F1, so it was a big move to be giving that many pages worth of documents to your direct rival, and apparently all over the fact that he just didn't get the promotion that he wanted. And whilst we won't get answers for any of those now, all of this has given us one of the biggest scandals in motorsport history, paired with the biggest fine in the sporting world. When I first got into F1 and I was reading about F1 history, this was one of the stories that gripped me the most. You couldn't write anything better. DTS producers have absolutely nothing on this. It's just insanity to me. There are so many different strands and things that play into this story that when I was first reading about it, it took me a couple of times to fully get my head around what had happened. But that is a summary of Spygate, which, yeah, actually happened, guys. This is a real thing that happened not so long ago. Fernando and Lewis are still on the grid right now. Martin Whitmarsh is back working at Aston Martin. 
I think Pedro de la Rosa is there as well. So the old gang is getting back together there, it seems. But just an absolute roller coaster ride. Thank you guys so much and Diolchen Vara for listening. Make sure you follow this podcast because next week I'm going to be doing a review on the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. So I'll see you guys the next time you're summoned to the steward's office.